Alright, all right, everyone, take your seats. This time we're going to talk about knowing the difference. Take your seats, everyone. Thank you. This is the Change Academy podcast, a show where we talk about tools and strategies that can help you create sustainable, positive change in your habits, in your mindset, and ultimately in your life. I'm Monica Reinagel. And I'm Brock Armstrong. There's this thing called the serenity prayer. Are are you familiar with this, Monica? Of course. And it goes like this. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, the courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to hide the bodies. No, that's not how it goes. (laughs) That's my favorite. But yeah, of course, it doesn't go that way. But the idea is the serenity prayer actually tells us to accept the things that we cannot change. But so often we actually hear people accepting things that they absolutely can change as being out of their control. Mm -hmm. So in this episode, we will look at ways to determine whether something is truly out of your control or if we just prefer to believe that it is. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. But first, this is where we like to talk about what we're working on and something that I have been working on for the last several months, actually, is a relaunch of the Nutrition GPA app. I think we may have mentioned it once or twice here in the podcast. But anyway, it's a nutrition-related app that I developed many years ago. And we've been working on it kind of all winter long. And in just the next couple of weeks, we're going to be rolling out a really big update and upgrade to this app. And I'm really getting very excited about it. That's a long time in coming. You're right. It has, it did sort of start in the winter, didn't it? It's already July now. <laughs> I know. And it's really been a great experience. I've been working with a company called Cultivate and they've just done an amazing job. So shout out to Cultivate. You can find them online at cultivatebrands.com. <laughs> and the uh, project lead is a woman named Jenny Schuler, and she's also been amazing. And one of the fun things we discovered a couple of months into our collaboration is that, like me, Jenny is also trained as a professional opera singer. Yeah, and a hell of an opera singer, too. Yeah, we saw an online performance of hers, and it was amazing, but we completely bonded over that. She's also really good at what she does. And the reason I bring all this up is that I was reminded of an exchange that I actually saw you having, you, Brock, having last week with one of our mutual friends and colleagues, Rachel Cook. Mm. Rachel's another podcaster. She does a podcast called Modern Mentor. It's also part of the Quick and Dirty Tips Network. And it's on leadership and team building and business and that kind of thing. And you and she were going back and forth on LinkedIn. And at one point you wrote, yeah, after years of coaching, I feel like I finally learned to hear what clients are asking for, not necessarily what they're asking. Mm -hmm. And Rachel responded, oh, that's such a great distinction because what they think they need and what they actually need may be miles apart and being able to hear the difference is the expertise. So, And the reason I mentioned that. Yeah, I was going to say, how does this relate back to your app? Although I think I'm guessing where it's going. Well, because I realized that one of the things that has made it such a great experience to be working with Cultivate is that they are really good at that. Hmm. They really listened to what I wanted and how I wanted the app to work, but they were also able to really hear, or they took the time to understand what I really wanted to accomplish with this app, what I wanted the people using this app to achieve. And then because they know apps a lot better than I do, 
they were able to bring suggestions and solutions and ideas that I never would have thought of that actually made the app way more effective at doing what I was hoping it would do. And I feel like it's a great example of this principle, you know, that when we're trying to help someone, it's sometimes really important to try to hear not just what they're asking, but what they're asking for. Right. I mean, there's that quote that I'm actually, I'm not certain it was Henry Ford that said it, because I think I'm quoting Steve Jobs, who was quoting <laughs> Henry Ford. Well, this is how it goes bad. Yeah. Yeah. This is where it all falls apart. It was probably Abe Lincoln who said it. But anyway, the idea <laughs> Oscar of, Wilde. It's always Oscar Wilde. It's always Oscar Wilde. <laughs> These drapes have to go. Um, no, the idea was that uh, somebody along the way, it's probably Henry Ford, said, if I had relied on the customer to tell me what they needed, they would have said a faster horse. But instead, he went ahead and, of course, created the automobile because a faster horse was not exactly what they needed. It's what they thought they needed, but without the foresight to see what outside of a horse could actually propel them great distances in less time they there was sort of a limited scope i guess of of thinking that was happening with the or could have been happening with the customer sure and you know the reason i think it's worth mentioning here in the change academy podcast is that even if you don't develop apps or cars for a living you know there's some aspect in which you do do some aspect of coaching whether you're a whether you have employees that you mentor or you have customers that you serve or you have children that you are raising, mm -hmm. you're sort of, or you're coaching clients like Brock and I, there's always an opportunity to apply this. And, and just remember that the people that you're helping or you're serving, sometimes what they're asking is not actually what they're asking for. And that thinking a little bit about that can elevate your impact and your effectiveness. Absolutely. I've seen my sister do that with her children many times. Yeah. <laughs> they think they need a snack, but really they're just bored. Right. Yeah. And also, yeah, shout out to Cultivate because they did a bang up job and I can't wait for everybody to see their work. But it's, It sounds like their name is incredibly apt given this conversation. <laughs> okay. Enough about those guys. Okay. Let's jump into our conversation today about, yeah, what many people refer to as the serenity prayer which you mangled at the beginning of the podcast. Oh, and, yes, I did. Thank you very much. <laughs> and all kidding aside, I think the Serenity Prayer actually offers some really good advice. And in this podcast, we've already talked quite a bit about those first two elements. And that's why today I thought it would be really interesting to focus on that third element, which is the wisdom to know the difference mm -hmm. between those things that we need the courage to change and those that we need the serenity to accept. Right. If you listen to the interview that I actually did with Heather Hutchison just a little while ago about the idea of radical acceptance, you'll remember that we talked about how you can take a situation that is truly out of your control, like Heather's blindness. If you haven't listened to that episode, go back and listen to it now and fully accept it as reality. But at the same time as you accept that, as reality, because it is the reality, that doesn't mean that, say, from Heather's circumstance, that she has to put up with the inconsiderate ways that people treat her because of her blindness. Right. Or she doesn't necessarily have to accept the limitations that society might assume accompany blindness. Right. And that's a good point. I mean, clearly some things, like congenital blindness, are truly out of our control. But as you said, Brock, Often the things that we say are beyond our control are absolutely 100% within our control. Mm -hmm. We can't change the weather, for example, 
But many of us have also come to see climate change as something that's beyond our control. But Hmm. is it really? Or another thing that we really can't change is the past. And that's a really good place to cultivate and apply some serenity and some acceptance. But we also ought to remember that our past does not predict our future. And if we're going to be trying to create a new future, a better future, that's where we actually do need to reach for courage. It really sounds like to me that we're looking at ways right now that we may actually be keeping ourselves trapped in certain situations, not because they're out of our control, but because we may be afraid of what the alternative really is. Right. Or afraid of what change might require from us or cost us. Yeah. And we end up doing things like working in a job that we have no passion for because we believe that we're going to need that pension, which is something I heard a lot, the same refrain over and over again when I was working for the government. I don't know why it seemed to keep people trapped that way. Golden handcuffs, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And this kind of thinking can actually keep us from standing up for ourselves because we fear how it'll affect our social status. Right. Or standing up for someone else. Yeah. Or it may actually stop you from following through on a weight loss program that you've <laughs> signed up for and put some good uh, good money into because you're afraid of what it'll mean to actually become someone who weighs less, as we say in the, our very program called Weigh Less. In fact, we had one of our members um, posted in our private forum the other day, and I'm not going to say who it is to keep the, the forum actually private, but this person actually posted, I've often thought in my pre-way last days that what was holding me back was fear of having to change all of my clothes because I'd lost the weight and they wouldn't fit anymore. And I don't have the money to do that. And yet this individual would actually go on to pay for Weight Watchers and the the monthly fee every single month instead of investing that money in the new clothes. So definitely a cognitive dissonance going on there. But, you know, I think maybe one of the reasons that we sometimes pretend that we have no choice is that it at some level relieves us of the responsibility. Like then we don't have to admit that we're actually choosing to stay in a job or a relationship, or a situation, or in habits that is actually making us unhappy or unhealthy. Mm-hmm. But when we hide this fact from ourselves that we're choosing, it just really ensures that we stay stuck there. It's kind of like we're putting ourselves in jail, we're reaching around and locking the door from the <laughs> inside, and then we're hiding the key from ourselves. Because if you don't acknowledge that you are actually making a choice, then it's so much harder for you to recognize that you have the opportunity to make a different choice. Right. For example, you may feel like you don't have any choice about going to work every day, but is that really true? <laughs> I mean, if you stop showing up, you might lose your job, and even mm-hmm. that is not necessarily the end of the world. <laughs> but in the meantime, you are choosing to go to work so that you don't lose your job. You prefer to be employed And by showing up, you get to stay employed. Yeah, I think this is a really important distinction to make right here, what Monica just said, because I'm sure most of us have heard stories or maybe even know people. I know a person, in in fact, who just one day stopped coming into work. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And, And as much as like, I don't think I would ever actually do that. I think I'd find more constructive ways to maybe get myself out of that position still admitting that this is always a possibility 
that we can choose. I think that's a really important distinction to make there. Yeah, at the very least, it gives us more of a sense of agency in our lives, and that can really change how we feel about our lives. So research shows that when we feel like we are sort of in the driver's seat in our lives, we tend to feel more satisfied with our lives. And the funny thing is, we talked about this in our recent episode on positive illusions. This is true even when that sense of control over our external circumstances is a little bit inflated. Hmm. It still counts. And this is a real, this is just a perception thing too. This isn't actually changing any behaviors at this point, right? This is just shifting our perspective to allow us to actually see that we're making this choice. Right. We're where we are because we're choosing to be. Yeah. But beyond that, I think sometimes if we allow ourselves to explore this, it can take us in some sort of surprising directions. So let's say, for example, you feel like you have to stay in your job because if you don't, you're not going to be able to make your car payment. Yeah. Okay, but obviously not making your car payment is totally an option as long as you don't mind not having a car. Yeah, exactly. But why is it that you need this car? Is it purely to drive to this job that you hate? (laughs) Okay, we've kind of come full circle here. So, you know, if nothing else, kind of starting to tease these things apart can reveal the ways in which we are actually choosing our reality. And even if we don't love the reality, realizing that we are putting ourselves or keeping ourselves there is a better place to be. It's more empowering. Yeah. And I think in like the high stakes kind of situations that we've been talking about so far, like relationships, finances, and our jobs can be particularly difficult to untangle from this whole perception and this whole paradigm because society tells us that the goal for each one of those is to just nail it down and stay there for life. And that is somewhat outdated kind of advice these days, but it also is somewhat sound if you if you can actually find yourself happily in a relationship and happily in a job, you can definitely stay there. But just staying there because of some pig-headedness or because you're afraid to see the other perspective or see the other alternative, well, that's not really helpful for your overall general fulfillment or your general happiness. Yeah, I'm reminded of a, an episode that we did a while back called Comfort is Overrated. Mm-hmm. But th- right. it's true. I mean, we often choose security over possibility. It's that old devil we know versus the angel we haven't yet met. And all we're saying here is that this is a choice. We're not saying that choosing security is necessarily the wrong choice. No. But I think that you can analyze the situation in a much different way when you acknowledge that you're staying in it voluntarily, because then you can start to ask yourself, why are you staying in it? What's actually in it for you? What are you afraid of losing? And, you know, asking yourself those particular questions can really change your perspective on the things that you're you're choosing. So without actually making any difference in the thing that you're choosing, you can see it in a different way and actually start to value it because you can see why you're staying there, what it's actually doing for you. And and of course, the what are you afraid of losing? And sometimes I think this actually can be traced back to an attachment to an identity. And I know we've talked about this in in past episodes, but the idea that we turn our beliefs in ourselves into identities that we actually like will express to other people. We'll say things like, I am an anxious person. You'll Mm -hmm. define yourself as that. Or I am someone who can't control themselves around sugar. Or 
I am a person who's not good at sports or I am fill in the blank with whatever you happen to be. I'm sure everyone's little brain is working in the background saying, yeah, I say that about myself. And those identities, no matter how negative, I guess, objectively negative, they might seem are still the identities that we've hung ourselves on. And and it's really hard to let go of those sometimes. So I think those questions that Monica just said, like, why are you staying in here? What's actually in it for you? Things like that can really help you reevaluate. Yeah, because once you have identified those values, then you can ask yourself again, if staying in the status quo is really the only way to serve those values. Yeah. So let's say you place a high value on staying out of debt. Well, one way to serve that goal is by working a high paying job, but you might also be able to serve that same goal just as well in a lower paying job that you enjoy more if you're willing to live on less. Mm -hmm. And just as a sidebar, there are a lot of ways to increase your quality of life and increasing your living standard is only one of them. Right. But look, even after you admit that funding your kid's college education or your own retirement or whatever is totally optional, you may still well decide that for you, it's non-negotiable. We're just saying there's a lot to be gained by moving things from the things I can't control column to the other side of the ledger. Right. And once again, this is a perspective thing. And don't underestimate the power of your perspective. Okay, we've thrown a lot at you, as usual. And I think... We can boil it down to these four takeaways. So number one is we often tell ourselves the story that a situation is out of our control to avoid doing the hard work of change. Mm -hmm. And number two, by accepting that aspects of our lives are in our control, we can accept responsibility and empower ourselves to create a new situation. Number three is Being honest with ourselves about what we are truly getting from a situation is a great first step in acknowledging if a situation is out of our control or not. And number four, ensuring that you are acting in alignment with your core values can help you stay on a more meaningful path, especially when your judgment may be feeling a little cloudy. Yeah, it always comes back to those core values. Yeah. All right, here is a lab experiment for you because, you know, this is interesting to talk about, but it really starts to make a difference when you apply it to something concrete in your life and just see where it takes you. Yeah, somehow I feel like this might be one of those episodes where if you don't do the lab experiment, you probably were nodding your head emphatically for this entire thing, but you you actually won't put this into practice until you, you actually do this. So, Or you may have been listening to this entire episode and kind of scratching your head and not <laughs> understanding what we're getting at. And I think doing the lab experiment will bring it into focus for you. Nodding or scratching, either way. <laughs> so there's a popular problem solving exercise. We didn't invent this where you make four different lists about something that you're contemplating. What's not working, what is working, what I can't control, and actions I can take. We'd like to suggest that you try applying this exercise to a situation in your life that you're not completely content with, but keep what we've talked about today in mind while you're doing this. So list number one, what's not working? And here's where you flesh out why whatever the problem is, is problematic. Make yourself a list of some concrete reasons. Is it not creating the desired results? 
Is it costing you too much? And I don't necessarily mean only in dollars. Hmm. Is it creating consequences that you don't appreciate? You know, to get a handle on what's not working. And then list number two, what is working? And here's where you're going to need to dig deep a little bit and try to discover in what ways does the status quo actually serve you? And it can be hard to get at this in something that we believe we're unhappy in. It's kind of hard for us to sometimes admit that there are ways in which it's serving us. So press on and see if you can identify what are you getting from it that you want or feel that you need. The third list is what I can't control. Now, make sure the things that you're putting on this list are truly things that you have no control over. If you're really honest with yourself, you may find that a lot of the things that you are initially tempted to put on this list actually don't belong there. And then list number four, here's the fun part, actions I can take. Remember, you don't have to take these actions. These are just actions you could take. So really let yourself be expansive here. And remember that continuing the status quo is an action that you can choose to take. Taking no action is an action you can choose to take. But don't be afraid to put some scary things on this list as well. Remember, we're not going to hold you to them, but it can be helpful to see them on paper. And if you're having trouble thinking of actions that you can take, look back at those first two lists about what's working and what's not working for some ideas and some inspiration. And another action you can take is to share the stuff that you come up with by doing these four steps with us over on our Facebook group. We have a great page over there with uh, all kinds of members and people commenting on all kinds of stuff. And you can find that by looking for Change ACPOD on Facebook. So facebook.com slash groups slash change pod. But you can probably just search for it easy enough and join in the conversation over there and let us know how this works out for you. Right. Okay. So here's to the wisdom to hide the bot. No, <laughs> knowing the difference. All right. All right. Thanks, everyone. And don't forget to go to Facebook and look for our special Change Academy podcast group.